Welcome to On the Journey with Carissa and Friends, part of my journey of faith ministries. I'm Carissa Hardage, and I'm excited to have you join me each week as I chat with friends about the ups and downs of their journeys of faith. You'll become familiar with voices such as Shelley Chandler, Sarah Here, Rebecca Bean, and more. And you will also hear from stories of women who have experienced victories and struggles, but continue to trust God on their journeys. Hebrews 3.13 tells us to encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today. In other words, we were never meant to do life alone. So join us each week for a little bit of encouragement and for strategies to help each other navigate as we continue on the journey together. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another week of On the Journey with Carissa and Friends. Um, We're always so grateful when you choose to join us for our conversations. And I have to tell you, today is one I really hope that um, I really hope people listen to. It's not an easy one. It's not an easy conversation. It is one of the most necessary conversations, I think, that we can have today. Um, If you tuned in last week, you listened to my friend Sarah Ann Boss, who is just a precious, precious friend of mine, share her ministry and her journey with a ministry called Young Lives. And Young Lives is a branch of Young Life organization, and it tailors um, it, it tailors its reach and its witness specifically to teen moms. And so the heart of Young Lives and of my friend Sarah Ann is to reach out to teen moms who would otherwise be um, lost and forgotten in our spiritual system in a lot of ways, and who unfortunately have a very special list of needs, um, just even apart from their need for Jesus which we all have. And Sarah Ann and the Young Lives organization is rising up to meet those needs. And as I was talking to Sarah Ann and just processing through the series, if if I can call it that, the heart in me started stirring and the spirit in me started stirring that we need to carry on this conversation into a broader sphere. Um, There's a reason why teen girls are getting pregnant. And there's a reason why I believe our youth, our adolescents, our kids are being impacted um, negatively by the culture that we live in today. And I want to have a conversation about it. And I want to have that conversation from a lot of different fronts. And I'm so grateful to have friends in ministry and in life who have that conversation with me daily just in our own daily lives and are willing to speak up and speak out and have a heart for reaching our adolescent and our young people as much as I do for their soul and for their purity and for their safety. And one of these special people to me is Deb Rice, who is back today to continue the conversation about um, how are teen moms happening? How are our youth being targeted in their um, sexuality, in their purity? Uh, it's it's a war out there for the soul of our kids, but it's also a war for their innocence. And Deb, I am so grateful to have you fighting alongside me in this war. Thank you for coming back today. 
Absolutely. I have, uh, as you know, I have a heartbeat for this mission as well. And you've been on the front lines and we're going to get to talk about that just in case people don't remember you, which Deb has been back twice, been with us twice before. So I hope if you haven't heard Deb on our podcast and our conversations, please go back and listen to him uh, because they're amazing and incredible. And I'm so grateful for what you have contributed to on the journey with Chris and friends. But just in case people don't remember or haven't heard those podcasts, this is not going to be the last time they hear from you, but it may be one of the first. So why don't you just share a little bit about you, just a little snippet for those of you who are just tuning in, those people who are just tuning in. So I am a wife and mom. I do multiple different ministries. Um, I keep growing my ministry list too. I work a lot. Um, God called me a lot to do with youth in the last couple of years, which I never did before. I actually did women's ministry and um, he kind of rattled me out of that role and took me to, you need to help raise up these next generations to, to walk with the Lord and not lose their faith. So um, I've been doing a lot more with the youth the last couple of years. Um, I do a lot for women with broken stories and Mm -hmm. trying to find their new walk in life. I do a lot of um, things for the pans pandas world uh, and do a lot of advocacy to help here in the state of Arkansas, especially get more help for families and hope. Like the word I always bring to families is hope. And so I'm, I kind of dabble in a lot of different ministries, yeah. a lot of different passions. Um, so that's kind of my, I, I have a son that has pans pandas. So that is what got me into that battle. And so we, as a family, all feel like we have a fighting mission for the stories that God has brought us through to help others behind us. I love it. I love it. And you know, today our topic specifically, today we're going to talk about pornography. And um, pornography is not an easy thing to talk about. Um, I talk about it with a lot of moms, um, but usually it's after it's already hit. And it's after they've already experienced the devastation that it wreaks on our kids' lives. And unfortunately, I'm not hearing the same conversation um, generally in our mainstream. Now, I know churches do have target audiences. A lot of them will have meeting, uh, small group meetings with men about pornography and addiction or, um, you know, conferences that may touch on it. But the thing is, is that Pornography is like a cloud that's spreading over our young people, and it's a silent destroyer that we're minimizing and not thinking it's that big of a deal, but the cloud is getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and it's enveloping more and more of our kids. And so I wanted to talk with you about it and invited you on the podcast today because you actually, because of your heart that God has given you over the past couple of years for young people— You've been on the front lines of the um, battle against pornography, and you've seen and witnessed conversations with kids about what they're experiencing. And I would just love for you to just share your experience that you've had over this past year working with youth and a lot of youth, boys and girls. So you've worked with both and yeah. had conversations and hearts to heart, heart to hearts with both. Yes. Yeah. Um. And I felt called to that area because I know kids will talk to their parents only so far Mm -hmm. and they'll only be so open 
And those lines of communication sometimes look really different when it's an outside person. Yes. So I felt the need to step in there and be willing to not shame them yeah. and hear them, hear what they had to say and what this battle really looked like for them. Yeah. And so in a program that I wrote specifically for seniors in high school um, with that transition time period and knowing that, you know, knowing that they've already seen things by their senior year, but knowing that as they go off to school, it has the potential to get worse Mm -hmm. because they have absolutely no grounding at that point. They don't have parents around and they don't usually have someone monitoring their phone anymore. And so if it's already started, if it's not dealt with by senior year, it, it has the potential to really be completely life altering and destroy them. Yes, destroy them and destroy future relationships that they could have. And so that has been a huge part of our conversations. Mm. Um, So we're going to talk about the damage that it does, um, both physiologically and relationally and spiritually. We'll talk about that in a minute. But why don't you just tell us about what conversations they're having? What are they saying to you that they're actually experiencing in their schools and in their home lives? So it was so interesting because I will never forget this night when we were all just sitting around and some of them are probably going to hear this podcast. So they're kind of getting my feedback of our conversation. But so they're sitting around and they were not willing to talk at first. Like they're usually willing to talk hard, hard conversations. We talked date rape the week before that, mm-hmm. and they would have that conversation. But pornography was really, really difficult wow. to get them to speak. So um, it was easier for them to talk about sexual assault. Yes. Than pornography. Yes, it was. Wow. They, they can see the fine line of, that being really wrong. Um, but they really struggled with the pornography part being wrong. And, and it was pretty much the whole group. Wow. And even to the point where, when we, you know, they would talk about how they would have friends show things and, and they would have to like all their conversations were around, um, what they were seeing and what they were like, and they would compare, what each other, well, what about her or what about him or what about, what did you see that? And, and the conversations were just, I was caught off guard and I had one of them who I think so highly of, and just, he has this amazing heart and I've watched him blossom the last couple of years and he has really come a long way and just went off to school this year. But he came to me after and he said, Miss Deb, like you're an outsider if you're not talking these things, if you're not partaking in this, you don't fit in. And that really tugged at my heart because especially so I was like, I'm so grateful that him and I had that relationship that he could come to me and say that. Yeah. But on the other hand, I'm thinking, you know, to not fit in because you don't want to look at a naked person. Like, where have we gone? <laughs> like, and yeah. how did we get here? Yeah. Uh, so a lot of my conversations with them, you know, I've heard the excuse of, but it's not cheating. Like for the ones that had a girlfriend or boyfriend, 
like they can excuse it with, but it's not cheating or, um, a line I like to use a lot is it's just, yeah. you know, it's just a naked picture. It's not like graphic and it's not two people doing anything. It's just a naked woman. That's beautiful. That's art. You hear this, you hear this from multitude of people of it. it the naked body is beautiful. Yes, it is. But God intended it for your spouse. And it's not for consumption. And there's a difference between art that is used for that we are appreciating and valuing. And it's done in a creative way, which I'm not even 100% for that. But I understand that's not the mindset behind why they're pursuing these images. It's for consumption. It's for it's to meet exactly. me a need that is being craved that is not of God. It is not to promote beauty. It is not about appreciating the human form. It is about consuming to meet a need within ourselves. It's self-driven. Yes. Yeah. It's scratching. I, the best way, it's scratching an itch that you can never fully get to go away. And so how accessible is it? Is it accessible in surprising ways? Did you hear any surprise? Were you surprised by any of the, there's one. So I'm not going to go into a lot of detail, but we've had our share of encounters, um, in ways that were very disappointing for me with my kids and, and, um, not them seeking it out, but just how readily available it is to show them. And there are websites, um, that, What's, hap- what's happening in the schools from my end, just coming from my uh, encounters, interactions with schools, is that the schools, you know, a lot of our kids have Chromebooks and are bringing their phones to school. Well, what I'm hearing is that these schools feel like they're safe because they have certain safeguards in place. Um, a lot of parents think that, well, I've got, got parental restrictions on things, and then the school has restrictions on things um, and on software and technology. But what's happening is these kids are going into back ways, into websites that are not blocked and that have, um, one is Bratty Girls. It's a website that keeps coming up in the school's that I know that I'm engaged with and they're getting into these websites and they're taking screenshots of sexual interaction of nude, like nudity girls that are naked. Um, And I'm not going to try to talk fancy about this. I'm just going to talk very plain and openly about this because I don't want to dance around anything. And I know you're going to do the same, but these girls are these, what's happening is these kids are taking screenshots of these girls who are naked, who are kissing and making out and, and, and they're taking screenshots and they're showing them to other kids at school. And so whether your kid is seeking out the porn or not, chances are they're going to see it. Yeah. And you can't, we can't pretend like it's not happening and not have be embarrassed to have these conversations anymore. It's just not the world we live in now. Yes. And one thing I love about working with the youth I'm working with is we have real conversations at dinner because we have dinner together on Wednesday mm-hmm. nights. And so we sit at the table and where do your best conversations happen at the yes. table? And yes. just a couple weeks ago, I was sitting with a group of them. And so my oldest just went into fifth grade and so fifth grade's a change. And so I was talking to them about it and they said, Miss Dub, fifth grade is when things start happening. Eleven, eleven years old. And I said, what? Like, 
I was, I was dumbfounded. Like I had no idea that these things like pregnancies, they said were happening in sixth grade with their classmates. Okay. I never in a million years. And maybe like I was living in this ignorant world that it's the same world that I grew up in. And it's not. No, it's everything is too accessible. It's yeah. too accessible. And so kids, research shows that 11 is the average age where kids get introduced to pornography. 11 years old. That's fifth grade. Well, they're telling me full on intercourse in fifth grade. Okay. So imagine, but it kind of makes sense if you think right. about it's it. Right. hand in hand. Yes. Because if they're seeing it and it's a normal part of what they're seeing and no adult is is saying otherwise because they're hiding it and they're not having the conversations and it's not being brought to their attention. Like they're told to say no to drugs as early as kindergarten, but they're not told. And I'm not saying talk about pornography with kindergartners, but I am saying if you have a child in your home that is old enough to have access to a tablet or a cell phone, then you're going to have to either monitor or have hard conversations because they're going to see it. Or just even has friends because my kid does not have access to a tablet or a phone, mm-hmm. but he rides with another kid on the bus that has a phone. Yeah. I mean, so and he's in fifth grade and he's in fifth grade. So even when we think we're protecting them, we're like, oh, I've put all these safeguards up. My kids safe. No, they're not. You have to have the conversations. You have to have the conversations. You have to have the open line of, of this is where we're at. This is the world we're living in. And, but the other vital part of that conversation is making sure it's not a shaming conversation. So that's what I was going to say is why do you think these kids, why do you think we're not talking about this more? Why do you think we don't, we're, we're nervous about bringing it up with our kids or, or with each other even, why do you think we're not having this conversation more? Because it's going to take a group to start the conversation for it to be okay. Mm-hmm. And it won't just like anything, it's never okay until enough people are talking about it. Yeah. And then when it becomes something that more people are talking about, it becomes okay. Like the same we saw the same thing with drugs. We saw the mm-hmm. same thing. Like it goes through society goes through patterns of what is okay and what's not okay. And and I've had conversations with parents that feel that pornography isn't that big of a deal. And they don't believe this is an issue. They believe, you know, it's natural, sexual things are natural. And, and they forget that these are children. We are taking their innocence by introducing them to these things early. Yeah. And we've become so desensitized to sex in general. Um, You know, I'm hard pressed to find a show and I'm not a prude. Okay, let me just say that I'm not a goody two shoes. I am. I have my battles like everybody else, but I am hard pressed to find a television show that doesn't have sex in it. I have to be so on top of what my kids watch on Netflix and on TV and because everything has a sexual component starting at targeted if PG-13 allows sexual interaction that is pretty blatant. Sometimes that can be enough to trigger a desire for more. Yes. I mean, it just can. Well, because we're desensitized as a society. We're completely desensitized where it's like, well, it's just when I go back to that, it's just it's just a picture. Well, okay, so that didn't do much. Now it's just a little short clip video. 
but then it's just a full on sex scene. It's just now like multiple people, but you know what? You can't fulfill that in real life without really getting dirty. Like you're going to cross some big lines. And we're not recognizing that a lot of the problems of our society right now are a direct impact of our consumption of pornography. A lot of the sexual violence, the sexual assaults, the objectification, um, the unhealthy sex lives, divorce rates because of pornography addiction. surgeries. There's a huge correlation with pornography and women getting plastic surgeries to try and meet what their husbands are watching. Not to mention what it's doing to our husbands. Yes. It's unrealistic expectations within a partnership is what it comes down to. Um, And we're teaching our kids that young that, you know, instead of love, you should seek this lust. Mm -hmm. You should seek this sexual gratification versus the intimacy of two people. Yeah. And so what's happening now is that addiction rates, um, when I go to, so as a lot of my listeners know, I'm a a counselor and um, I'm a clinical therapist and I go every year to uh, an addiction training. And the two surprisers for me on this last one was video games. We had an entire um, training on video game addiction and on pornography addiction. It is becoming so prevalent that where we were being trained on recovery from alcohol, um, the next one was recovery from opioids and heroin. That's another epidemic. And now folded into all of these is recovery from video game addiction and recovery from pornography. If we're talking about it as clinical therapists in a mainstream CEU training as a regular addiction that we're coming across that we're treating in everyday therapy and counseling as part of our norm, it's an issue. Yes. It's an issue. It's an epidemic. And it's the number two complaint of people who go, who are planning divorce, but decide to go to counseling, the number two complaint of impact, negative impact on their marriage. Number two is pornography. Pornography. Does not surprise me one bit. Does not surprise me. Um, It's just, it's consuming our lives. And those two things are things that people are able to check out of everyday life with. Like, yeah. You know, we when you really want to, like, pick it apart, for the most part, a lot of us struggle with relationships now because of our social medias and because of our access to everything that, like, one-on-one interaction we struggle with. So how do we solve those relational problems is we can live in a video game or we can live in a pornography world. We can live in those worlds and we don't have to properly interact anymore. That's right. So if That's we're right. not working with our kids on proper interactions with people, they're going to want to hide in these yes. make-believe worlds. Yes. And so what's the the issue what I'm so what I'm hearing and what I know you're hearing too is that because I don't think people understand the 
very real physical harm that is coming from consuming these images and these videos and things like that. And it's lasting effects. Parents aren't, I'm not going to say they're not concerned about it because I believe every parent is concerned, but they're not hypervigilant on it. So if you walked in and you saw your kid, hopefully with a, with a joint or with a can of beer, you're going to react And most of the time, we're going to safeguard them. We're going to start educating them early. We're going to watch who they hang out with. We're going to, you know, talk to them. If you're a home that drinks alcohol, that's fine. But most of the time, we won't make it easily accessible for our kids, right? We're hiding our pills. That's what we're being taught to do as parents because we've been educated and therefore are educating our kids on the dangers of accessibility, Right. I mean, that's that's parenting. Parenting is that's that's a prevalent part of our parenting conversations now. What's happening is that we're not having that same concern about the way that pornography is causing damage to our kids' brains and changing the brain functioning of our kids and then having a long-term impact on their development, on their relationships, and on their future. And because we aren't getting, um, we're not as aware of that, we're not being as hyper-vigilant as I think we should be. And the surprise is, what I'm not surprised about is the way that we're responding to boys looking at porn. Um, because a lot of it is boys will be boys. This is what boys do. But the other thing is, I wish that people knew how many girls are getting addicted to. Yes. And we're shocked about that when I tell you that there is a rapidly increasing rate of girls viewing and becoming addicted to pornography, that startles you, right? That would, that to me, when I first started hearing about this and having this conversation, that startled me. I was not surprised or startled or shocked by boys. And the issue is that we need to assume everybody is susceptible and we need to be startled that everybody is susceptible. The, The responses need to be equal on both fronts. Yep. Yeah, it's true. Well, I, I know a girl who did a lot of ministry leading in Little Rock at a college when she was in college up there. And she really learned quickly how many girls are looking at pornography that were her age, you know, 20, 21, 19. And you really only fit into groups if you guys could talk about it. And it, it, it was actually a social conversation of what you're looking at. Like a bonding experience. Yeah. Like I remember back, I mean, I'm starting to feel old now, but I I remember back like 20 years ago, if someone looked at something like they were like, no one would even talk about it. I mean, girls wouldn't even tell each other if they ever got their period or anything. I mean, like people were very silent about those things. And I'm, I'm all about people being open about those things, but for that to be your social circle conversations, the thing that unites you and that's your worth. Like that's where your worth is coming from. I'm concerned. Like, I'm really concerned if that's where you're finding your, your purpose in life is through these things, because you're, you're losing respect for yourself as well. Like who you are, you are beautiful the way you are. You don't need to compare yourself to that. You don't need to compare yourself to what that looks like. You are beautiful the way you are. And when you 
are with that right person down the road when you're an adult, it's so different than just getting a kick right then and there. And the problem is that it is the, it is the thing that is the most intimate and the most precious and the most pure and the most beautiful gift that God has given us for reproduction, for multiplication. There is so much beauty in God's gift of our sexuality and our sex and, and sexual interactions. And if it's used, if it's applied in the context of marriage, it is amazing and incredible. And it is the tool that Satan has used to deceive so many into harming others, harming themselves, devaluing themselves. It is, it is destructive in a way that few other things are. It, it is like a tornado that ravages our marriages and our children and our homes and our kids and the way they view themselves. And if we don't fight against that, it's going to get worse. And our kids are really being set up to live in a world that is destroying them and they don't even realize it. They don't even realize it. Well, and you can see the progression. I mean, if you look at, if you look back at um, Dick Van Dyke, okay, let's talk about that show and how the beds were apart. They couldn't even show the beds being together in the bedroom. And then a few years later, you see even television entertainment trans transform to, okay, now you can show a leg. Like now there's a leg kind of sticking out and then the beds moved closer together. And then you just have two people laying in a bed together, but you never saw them kissing or anything like that. Then years you go, you continue and you, you fast forward and now like they're kissing. Okay. And now they're naked and now they're full on like here it all is. Yeah. You can see the progression of time of how desensitized we've become to something that's so beautiful. And Again, I'm not a prude as well. Like I, you know, I, we're not talking about this because of that. We're talking about this because we're, we're worried about our children and where it's going for them in our world. Yeah. Yes. And like as sexual deviation is just getting bigger and bigger and it's a bigger issue. We've got to talk about this. Yeah. Like we have to, and, and no one is immune to it. That's right. So we're out of time for this one, but we, we wanted to open the door during, during this podcast and this conversation. And we're going to continue talking about this next week. And I would love for you guys to come back because what we're going to talk about next week is what it does to our bodies, why we're, we're consumers now, because what's happening is our culture is meeting the need of the consumer and the voice of the consumer is becoming is, is um, looking more and more different every day. It's becoming a broader spectrum. It's the guy, it's the girl, it's the 11-year-old, it's the 50-year-old, it's the married mom who's 38 with three kids. The consumer is the, the uh, consumer is becoming a broader spectrum and our culture is going to meet that need because our culture yes. is lost and the Christian voice needs to be heard and needs to stand up and say, we have to stop. We need to be speaking as loudly as everybody else 
So we're going to talk more um, next week with Deb. We're going to keep this conversation going and we're going to talk about what it actually does to us physiologically and to our relationships when we go down this path. So please, guys, please come back and join us and please join our conversation. Comment, send us direct messages. Deb Rice can be found at what's your socials? So you can find me on Facebook. I'm either um, Deborah Arnold Rice um, Shattered for Glory on Facebook. You can find me at Twitter, Shattered Number Four Glory. Um, I'm on Twitter probably more than anything. So feel free. I have some of these Let's conversations. Let's have this conversation. Yeah, have them on Twitter. Like I've recently yeah. been having a lot of these these sexual conversations on there, and they've created great pieces and other people speaking out. Um, so you can find me on any of those places. Okay, let's keep having this conversation and please join us next week because we're really going to dig into what this, what pornography does to us physiologically, relationally, and spiritually. Thank you guys. And please remember, let's encourage one another daily as long as it's called today in this world we're living in and um, come back next week.